Amen. Hey, why don't you grab your seats, turn to the person next to you and say, you look awesome today. And uh, <laughs> hallelujah. Well, happy Father's Day to all the dads and stuff. Being a dad myself, just want to, um, again, it's a good day to celebrate. I, I, I was nervous when, Jer Jeremy, were you acting like you were passing out or were you actually passing? Okay, because we've had men's stuff here before and men with that competition thing going, uh, going on have passed out. I remember we had a pipe and there was an egg in the pipe and you had to blow through it and whoever stopped breathing, the egg would move up and, and, and Jevin actually, he, he, he was blowing and he, 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 there was no way he was going to lose. He, he blew till he passed out. He just collapsed on the floor. So I was getting a little bit nervous. I was like, Grace, stop it. He's going to pass out and we're going to have an emergency situation um, on our hands. So I'm glad you were only joking uh, there, uh, Jeremy. So anyway, this is uh, Father's Day and all the fathers went, Yahoo. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So happy Father's Day. This is the day where we in Aotearoa, not in, in the rest of the world, I only hear, I think in Australia, they, uh, in America and stuff, they do it on a different day. But this is the day where we in Aotearoa take a moment as a society, and honor and thank fathers and dads, where, 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 we, where we celebrate manhood, and it's good to see some first-time fathers in the house uh, today. Of course, I'm a grandfather now. You can call me Papa. I look young, but I'm, I'm 58 years, uh, years old, but, but the grandkids keep me young. They, they, they keep me uh, keep me young, and so, uh, but, but this is the day where the nation celebrates manhood, celebrates uh, fatherhood, which I think is a good thing, yeah. about three of you, I said, which I think is a good thing, I think, I think it's a good thing to celebrate uh, 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 fatherhood and manhood and uh, uh, so on, you know, someone was interviewing Jordan Peterson, I don't know if you know him, uh, or not. Some of you may have uh, seen his things on um, YouTube or whatever, but he's a Canadian academic and a thinker who has in recent years, I guess, become very well known for going against the grain of popular culture. And so he was in an interview, the interview's about an hour and a half uh, long, but the interviewer in the questioning uh, time, just as she's talking to uh, him, begins in a roundabout way asking him, is it okay, is it okay to be a man? And I can see Bex there, is that you Bex? There's you graduated yesterday from Tanikau, well done, and uh, well done, well done, just saw you there. And can I say, I, my apologies for not being there. I just, it was just, uh, Catherine put a photo and then I'm like, oh my goodness, I should have been there. I did not remember, but I so wanted to uh, uh, be there. One more time for Bex, hard work, graduated. Awesome. So Jordan Peterson was asked this question, is it okay to be a man? And I want to play his emotional response. Because the first time I saw it, it moved me. But again, I think it answers the need of a generation. Is it okay to be a man? Here's what he said, if we can play that clip nice and loud. We've met some of your fans. 
and uh, we got the impression they were all male fans, that the ones that we talked to, um, and that they were struggling with their manhood and that you uh, give them this message that it's okay to be a man. It's not okay. It's necessary. What the hell are we going to do without men? You look around the city here, you see all these buildings go up, these men, they're doing impossible things. They're under the streets, working on the sewers, they're up on the power lines in the storms and the, and the rain. They're keeping this impossible infrastructure functioning, this thing that works in a miraculous manner. They work themselves to death, and often literally, and, and the... the um, the gratitude for that is sorely lacking, especially among the people who should be most grateful. You see university professors, especially of the social justice bent, who are among the most protected and privileged people that the world has ever produced. They take everything they have for granted, failing to understand entirely that there's a massive infrastructure of unbelievably hardworking, solidly laboring, working-class men breaking themselves in half on a regular basis making sure that everything that always breaks works. And so a little gratitude for that is in order. And it's very useful to tell everyone, not just men, that they have an important role to play, a necessary role, and that if they act properly and honestly and forthrightly, that they can put their lives together and they can help their families and they can make their communities better and that that's not toxic masculinity, that appalling phrase. It's what keeps the world going round. We've met some of your fans. It's and, not uh, just okay to be a man. It's necessary. It's necessary and needed. Despite what our Woketopian world may say as it desperately seeks to blur the line between genders, masculinity is toxic. They say the solution is make men less toxic, make men less masculine. Some would even say make men like women. I love how journalist and conservative commentator Ali Stucky put it, she said this, bad men don't become good when they stop being men. They become good when they stop being bad. Aggression, violence, and unbridled ambition can't be eliminated from the male psyche. It can only be harnessed. And when they are harnessed, they are tools for good, not for harm. The same masculine traits that bring destruction also defeat tyranny. The traits that foster greed also build economies. The traits that drive men to take foolish risks. Any other men in here have taken foolish risks? Thank you for that. Come on, lying is a sin too. Come on. <laughs> the traits that foster men to take foolish risks also drive men to take heroic risks. The answer to toxic masculinity isn't less masculinity. It's better masculinity. The growing problem, she said, in today's society isn't that men are too masculine, it's that they're not masculine enough. When men embrace their masculinity in a way that is healthy and productive, they are leaders, warriors, and heroes. 
When they deny their masculinity, they run away from responsibilities, leaving destruction and despair in their wake. The devaluation of masculinity won't end well because feminine passive men don't stop evil. Passive men don't defend, protect, or provide. Passive men don't lead. Passive men don't do the things we have always needed men to do for society to thrive. The world needs men. Thank you for the two who said that. The world needs men. We're necessary. The world needs good men, strong men, men not afraid to lead or step up or stand out. And here's the thing. Better men make better husbands. Better husbands make better fathers. Evangelist, the late Billy Graham said this. He said, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in society. And I think that's true. A father's role, when we think about it, traditionally has always been to provide for and protect one's family. And as I thought about these aspects of fatherhood today to provide for and protect, I was reminded of a moment this year with my dad. And many of you know he has had some massive health challenges this year. And I do regard the fact in February they said he was going to die, he was not going to make it. And so I do regard the fact that my father is sitting here today in the service as a miracle. We sung about miracles. God does a miracle. I'm pleased. It sounds like he said something smart. See, my dad's a fighter. He's gone from being someone who at the beginning of the year, was unable to do anything. He was confined to a hospital bed, but now he is able, yes, aided to walk into church today and be with us in this service because he's fought and he's got a good measure of his independence back. But there was a time a few months ago, not so long ago, where he needed constant care. But on one particular day, he said, he stopped me. I, was, I think I was pushing him along in his wheelchair, which he hated. And he said this, he says, stop. He said, I need to know something. I need to know something. He said, when you were growing up. See, he knows that life is on the edge. He said, when you were growing up, did you feel safe? Did you feel, he said, I need to know. Did you as a child feel safe? Growing up, did you feel safe? Now, my dad is not an emotional type. If you know him, he's not an emotional type. But this, at this moment, I, I could sense a deep longing in his heart. But, and this was important to him. I said, Dad, if you're asking if I, as a son, have felt loved, safe, cared for, that you provided, that you were a good dad, if you're asking that question, I said, absolutely. I said, at no stage, even to this day, have I ever felt not loved, not safe, not cared for, 
I've always thought you were a great dad. But he needed to know that he'd done a good job. I'm proud of my dad. I'm proud of you. He's my hero. And I'm not saying that to be cheesy. I've always thought my dad is cool. Just look at him. I've got a photo of him. Isn't he cool? You can see where I get my good looks from. I've always thought my dad is cool. His story's cool. When I was growing up, I used to share with my, well, my, my dad says, I'm sure we've all done. My dad's cooler than your dad kind of thing. Because my dad's got a cool story. He was from Liverpool. Or he says West Kirby, the posh side. But he was from Liverpool and, and, and he, he was a sailor. You can see in the next photo, that's dad with a, with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Thank God he stopped smoking. Amen. But that's my dad. I always thought he was cool. But he, he, he was a sailor and he sailed on a ship called the Yellow Submarine. No, as it was, he, sailed on a, he sailed on a ship called the Dominion Monarch, which was a very famous or well-known uh, ship that uh, 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 took passengers all around the world. And so anyway, he ended up, I think he was 15, 16. And again, I don't know if the details of all of this is accurate, but it's my story of his story. He might <laughs> tell it slightly different, but this is how I've heard it as a kid. And so, so he sailed around the world in this ship and he got off in Australia and thought, I'll, do, I'll live in Australia. But Australia, he found, was too flippin' hot. It was just too hot. And so instead of buying a ticket for somewhere else, my dad stowed away in the lifeboats of a ship called the Monowai. And he hid in that ship, in the lifeboats, there's the ship there, and he, him and a mate snuck and ate the biscuits on that lifeboat all the way to Wellington. When they got to Wellington, my dad was arrested. <laughs> He's so cool. <laughs> He was arrested, and, but, but because New Zealand at that time, back in the 50s, needed immigrants, they said, ah, you can stay. And so he's been here ever since. And so my dad, then of course, yes, welcome to New Zealand. And then of course, my dad met my mum, and uh, they, they got married. I think there's a photo of them there. Don't, you can see, right? Pretty cool looking, cool looking couple right, uh, right there. So my dad met my mom and the rest is history and here we are today. Uh, but I want to say this as a family. We have never lacked a roof. That's me, the tallest one there with my tongue out. I don't know why, it was just a habit I have. I still do that sometimes. But I want to say as a family, we have never lacked a roof over our head or a food on our table. Both mum and dad worked very, very hard. They built a house, but not just a house, they built a home. And I remember in our backyard, dad building things for us. I remember he built a, uh, he built a, like a pirate ship climbing bar thing. I mean, it was probably not safe. I, from memory, it was out of two by two. You can take that photo off now. But it was out of two, two by two and it had a pirate flag on it, or at least that's how I remember it. Because on it I sailed and I climbed it and sailed the seven seas. <laughs> and, 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 and he built those things for us. I mean, it, like I say, it probably wasn't safe, but what was safe back then? Who cared about safety, right? 
You just went home when the street lights turned on. That's how, if, if you wanted to play online, it was on the washing line, swinging round and round. That's how it was back in the day. You drank out of the tap on the hose. It's just, it's just how, uh, how it was. But my dad would build things. I remember we had a little power pool and he built, he filled it up and the water was always cold. And so he built a solar system before there was solar system. What did he do? He took the filter that would just take water and pump it out. He pumped it up onto the roof of the carport, painted the roof of the carport black, dropped it into the corrugated iron things that would catch in a drain at the other end, come back and the water was boiling. I thought my dad's so cool. Do you know I still share that with people when they say I've got a cold swimming pool? It's like, do what my dad did. My dad's amazing. When people say they don't believe in heroes, I just say, you haven't met my dad. My dad was funny. We'd do funny things. I, I, I remember he'd have funny experiences. He was in his van, he was a builder, he was working. And Pycock, and some of you might have heard this story, but it's worth another tale. He was in Pycock, he parked his van, his Toyota Hyas on a hill. And he had my dog that I got as a pet and left it with him. <laughs> Anybody else done that? Don't put your hand up. I mean, it's just... But he had my dog, and, and, and my dog was, was in the car, running around in his, in, in his van, on the work van on the hill. And in the Toyota Hyas, it used to have a handbrake that you could pull up. And the way to release it was just to tap it, and it would go down and go in. And so my dog, there must have been a fly in the van or whatever, and the dog was running around. Doing it. My dad turns around, and only to see the van with the dog standing on the steering wheel, going down the hill as it crashes into another, uh, uh, another car. When the insurance company asked him what was happening, who was driving, he said the dog. And he doesn't even have his license. Come on. <laughs> My dad was funny, but my dad could also be strict. He could also be strict. He, he would say what needs to be said when it needs to be said. But my dad was a hard working man. When I think of his role as provider, one vivid memory comes back to me as a son. And that was one day when he came home in the van. His back gave out as he got out on a rainy day. He'd been working hard as he got out the van. He collapsed on the ground because his back was so sore and he was unable to move. And he was stuck on the ground for a very long time before anyone heard or knew he was there because he worked hard. My dad knew how to provide for his family. He also protected us. When I think about safety, he also protected us. When I think of my dad, his heart to defend and protect his family, again, I can think of two specific memories, both when I was a teenager. I remember I used to run discos back in the day, John Travolta, all those kind of days, Saturday night. Yeah, you get down. And, you know, <laughs> so I used to run discos back in those days. I did it pretty much me and a mate, Barry Nicholson, did discos all over the place. And I remember one day going to a Paraparo Umu Rugby Club, and we're only young, we're only like 15 years old, actually probably maybe 14, not old enough to drive, because that's why Dad was driving us. And he drove us to the rugby club, and I remember there was a team, a visiting team uh, was leaving on their bus. And as they left on their bus, one of the team members opened the window and threw a bottle of DB out the window that hit 
me and dropped on the ground. I'll never forget, my father took that bottle, <laughs> took it back and threw it onto the bus. The bu- it smashed all over the bus. The bus stopped. The team got out. My father beat all of them up. <laughs> That's not true, that last bit. <laughs> I'm like, thank God the bus didn't, he threw the bottle. I just thank God the bus didn't stop. Hallelujah. But in that moment, he protected me. I think of another, another moment. One of my childhood friends, as he grew, grew up, had joined the mongrel mob. And it was on Christmas Day, after Christmas dinner, I was, I, I, I'd done a Christmas lunch, so I went out to ride my uh, motorcycle. I've been riding motorcycles for years. And so this guy who I knew, and uh, his sister might be watching today because she was part of our church for uh, many, many years. Yeah, it's him. And... Um, <laughs> Basically, he, 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 he stopped me on the road, and I've known him all, all my life. We grew up on the same street, and he jumped on the back with his German helmet on and mongrel mob, whatever, uh, doing things. He said, take me to the clubhouse. I'm like, great, on Christmas, I'm going to go to the mongrel mob uh, clubhouse. And so I'm driving around. We went to the clubhouse, which was just down the road here, just next to Prayer College. Thank God it's moved. And so as we, we went in there, thank goodness no one was at the clubhouse. I might have said a prayer and a hallelujah, and I wasn't even a Christian at that stage. And so I rode back, and I'm like, I need to get this guy off the back. It's, 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 it's scaring me. And so I, what did I do? I went to my dad. And I took him to my dad. And, and I parked him in our driveway, and he's drunk doing his mongrel mob thing. And, and, and dad came out and, and was just like, you need to go. Go on, off you go. And, and the, the, the guy went. My dad protected me. I always remember that. And I know he would have done anything for me. Why? Because now I'm a dad and I know I'll do anything to protect my children and my kids. That's what dads do. Proverbs 4 verses 1 through 9. Hear, O sons. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction and be attentive that you may gain insight for I give you good precepts or percepts or biceps. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight, and do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. You know, the older I get, the more I appreciate my father, his ways, his words, his life. I've read this before, but it's worth reading again. In 1974, Mark Twain wrote these words. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21... 58. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. (laughs) The minister Charles Wadsworth said this, by the time a man realizes that maybe his father was right, he usually has a son who thinks he's wrong. 
In Luke chapter 11, verse 11, it says, Which of you fathers? Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, this is not a verse I would normally use for this occasion, but, but I do today because it's, to me it's kind of funny that how Jesus tells us inherently fathers know how to provide, how to do good for their children. It says, though you are evil. And please understand, Jesus here is not meaning that dads are evil. Jesus was just talking about mankind's condition. Another version puts it like this. If you then, with all your human frailty, another version says, if you, sinful by nature, know how to do good, give good. In other words, even though as fathers we are not perfect, even though as fathers we are, we are not perfect, we haven't got it all together, we have weaknesses, we have frailties, we have, we, we have faults that we are so aware of. We have stuff in our lives, yet somehow Jesus was saying here in this, this small moment that we, we know innately how to do right, to do good by our children. My dad isn't perfect. He can be stubborn sometimes. This week, he was stubborn. I came home just at lunch to see him getting up without his walker. As I came in, I said, Dad, what are you doing without your walker? He's like, he said to me in a very strong voice, I won't fall over as he was falling over. More than once that day. My dad can get mad sometimes. Another vivid memory was when we were kids and we were having dinner and dad used to cook and he used to burn everything. <laughs> Not everything, but that's the memory. <laughs> but I remember sitting around a table with my brothers in our home at 50 Rewise Street and and we were complaining about the food. We're just like, this is burnt, this is yucky or whatever. And so my dad took all the plates, opened the window, <laughs> and to the concrete patio outside, <laughs> went all of our dinners. <laughs> smashed all over the ground. That was the last time we ever complained about dinner. <laughs> my dad is not perfect, but neither is yours. But I choose not to focus on the bad, I focus on the good. The Bible says, honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. The word honor means to give weight. I say this every year, but it's so important. It means to give weight. It's not saying that there's no negative or no, no, no. I just choose to honor the good and give weight to that which was good. To truly value the fact, as I said a few weeks ago, the fact that my parents gave me life. As a dad, I've made mistakes, I'm sure. Maybe for some dads here today or watching online, life didn't work out 
how you thought it should or would or could. Maybe there's been a divorce, a relationship strain or a, or a breakdown. And it's a source of deep pain and heartache to you. And I want you to know here today, Dad. I want you to know here today, Father. Dads, you may have made mistakes, but you are not a mistake. I want to encourage you to keep doing your best and give your best. It's all anyone can do. I also know today it can be hard for some because your dad has passed away. But use this time and days like today to remember the good. Maybe for others, your dad's disappointed. He's been, been absent in your life, in your journey. And there is no excuse I can give for, for that. But what I can say is that Jesus said you can relate to God. You can speak to God. He said when you pray, when you talk to God, you can call him Father. Our Father that art in heaven. And can I say this? It doesn't say my Father. It says our Father. What does that mean? It means that you are not alone, that you have brothers and sisters and that you're a part of a community of faith doing life together. You have a Father in heaven who you can call upon and turn to and talk to. One who will hear the cry of your heart. Hosea says, for, for in you, the fatherless, find compassion. No, you are not alone and you are not forgotten. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Those she may forget, I will not forget. See, I, I've engraved you. God speaking, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. Turn to him. You know, one of the greatest stories of the Bible is that of the prodigal son. Ian Wright shared it a few weeks ago. But it's really not about the prodigal son as it is about the forgiving father. The father looks for his son to return. Friend, I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know what stage or what it is you're going through. But I want you to know here today, you can return. You have a father in heaven who loves you. You can return to him. No matter what you've done, no matter what mistakes you've made. The Bible talks about a father with open arms who ran towards his returning son. Come to your father in heaven. Give your life to him. Burden him with what burdens you. He will not turn you away. Give your life. Give your life to Him. This is the beauty of the gospel. To all the dads, we need you. We need granddads. We need papas. We need spiritual fathers. Men, don't neglect your role. Don't think you've got nothing to offer. We need spiritual fathers to a fatherless generation. Never think that you have nothing to offer. Dad, you're not just okay. You are necessary. Can we put our hands together for all the dads in the house?
happy Father's Day. Would you stand? As Grace has already said, there's gifts, going to be gifts out there for, for the dads. There's going to be a beer that's a ginger beer, just to be clear. Photo booth, great. Make sure you grab a photo. But let me pronounce this blessing. Oh, sausage sizzle too, but let me pronounce this blessing over you. If you need prayer for anything, it's a place over there. Maybe, maybe there's stuff that's going on that you go, man, I need healing from that. Get prayer. Maybe, maybe dad's stuff going on. It's just come up even as I've been talking. Get prayer. Get healing. But let me pray this blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.